Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right, everyone, welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm Damon Pistolka, and with me today, I've got Spencer Strickland with me, and we're going to be talking about tax strategies for business owners. Welcome, Spencer. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks, Damon. It's great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you. So what's, first of all, Spencer, I forgot to mention the name of your company in the, in, in the intro. So, uh, the name's, it's, it's Grant Strickland. Um, okay. You know, I get a lot of people asking me, okay, is your name Grant Strickland? I'm like, no, no, it's uh, my partner is Shane Grant and I'm the Strickland in that. So. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, it's a, so for some people, Taxes might not be something they like to talk about. I know nobody likes to, to pay them, but I think it is an interesting subject, especially when you're talking about business owners, high net worth people, or business owners going through transactions. It's something that, that uh, you know, in our company, we get involved with a lot. Not that we decide what to do. We just say, hey, find the right people because it can make a huge difference in how much taxes you have to pay. Yeah. And and that's how we, that's how we get it. But let's back up a bit. So Spencer, tell us, uh, give us a little bit about your background and and you know where you started out and kind of, you know how how you just kind of got to what you're doing today. Okay, um, yeah. So uh, background. I originally was going to Damon. I probably haven't shared this with you. I was going to law school. Uh, oh wow. Your journey. Cool. And and figured. As I was uh, going through that process, I figured I saw that I didn't really like just pure law. Um, I also did a lot of accounting, and I was lucky enough to start working uh, with a local CPA firm um, and uh, did some did some taxes and such, and did some consulting, and I really enjoyed it. And so I it took me a little bit longer to get through school because I had to change up a lot of stuff, but uh, yeah. switched over and started doing taxes instead. Uh, got my uh, Masters in accounting and went on and got the CPA and yeah. I've gone from there. Um, started out my career with uh, uh, Deloitte, uh, one of the big four firms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, think you're aware of that. Uh, worked with a local firm uh, in Salt Lake City for about uh, eight or nine years. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we were merged into BDO, which is the fifth largest accounting firm, yep. five years ago, and then uh, then just uh, just under a year ago started my own practice. Okay. So you've had, I mean, with Deloitte and then, and then the local firm moving into BDO, you've, you've done some pretty large firm accounting work. Oh, I've done. Yeah. I've, I've honestly, I've done it all. Um, I've worked on clients that have uh, over uh, 10 billion in revenue and market caps of in the billions. And I've done your startup companies that are pre-revenue and yeah. are trying to raise capital. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, 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 a it's, Fun, uh, fun process. So and this is just kind of off topic a little bit, but when you have these huge companies, are there like literally just like 
groups of people that work on one little section of the business and then groups of people that work on another it's you almost have to break it down into this business unit or this yeah. business unit kind of thing yeah that's spot on even when i was with like when i was with deloitte um we had a whole team that would work on one section of their tax return and oh really yeah i mean it was they're very complicated and complex so yeah you've got those teams and those groups or divisions that that's what they're doing in each business so oh yeah because yeah, i never thought about it because it, in the in the long form i mean you could just take a schedule and that's what the team works on are those schedules for big companies yep yeah uh, oh okay <laughs> yeah when you think about it you know you think about it in a production kind of process like that in in a very big i mean because a, a multi-billion dollar company doesn't just have one business usually and there's different operating units and all this yeah. kind of stuff there's a lot of different things that that come to play in that huh? yeah you have all that con that usually consolidates up right yeah um, yeah it's, <laughs> wow. it's, it can get very crazy sometimes yeah yeah. So, so what are, what are, so if you had to go back and look at some of that experience, what are some of the things you think you really took away from that kind of thing that helps you today? You know, I, I think the biggest thing is that you got every situation um, that, or let me state this, a lot of situations have many things in common, but every situation is unique. Every, every taxpayer client, if you will, is unique in their, in their strategy that they want to take in their risks that they're willing to take um and so you've got to you can't just approach from a high level and say hey this is my blanket way of doing work you've got to do everything um based on the facts and the circumstances and the approach and goals of the people that you're working with yeah so that, that brings me to some, something else that may or may not be relevant but so have you ever had somebody just come to you and say, I don't care the risk. I don't want to pay any taxes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Multiple times. Cause I mean, it is a strategy, right? It is a strategy. And, and, that, and that is a strategy. And typically at that point you walk through everything with them and you see the circumstances. Cause there, you know what? There are certain times when that person, I'm like, yeah, I can get you there. But yeah. for the most part, let's say for the most part, I'm like, yeah, I can't legally get you there. And uh, if if you're wanting to do something legal, I'm not I just won't work with mm. you. Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to say is go as gray as yeah. you can without going outside the line. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> yeah, because there's some some people is like, nope, don't even want to go there. Don't even want to take that. You know, I don't want to deduct that even though I could kind of thing. And everybody mm -hmm. would. But uh, to the other side of it is like I deduct everything plus this plus that plus that and and you're going ooh that's kind of that's 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 it's a little risky right yeah 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 so and I, I know I understand the 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 willingness and the, the you know, to minimize that but that at a certain point you got to believe that it's not worth it uh, there there are many points where it's not worth it right yeah um, yeah especially I mean. I'm sure everybody's seen the news stories of people who've come to jail because of tax fraud or, or tax evasion. Yeah. They've done something. It's not worth it at that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's when you get to that point, I think that's, that's, that's far too far. That's for sure. So, exactly. so what, what has been something that, that you, over the years of doing taxes that really has surprised you? 
Oh, there's been a lot of things that have surprised me over the years doing taxes. You know, I will say this. There's, you mentioned at the very beginning of the call, hey, nobody likes paying taxes. I've had, and, and like isn't the right term, but I've had one person in my entire career who actually wanted to pay tax. Like they were fine with it. They were grateful that they were paying tax. Yeah. Every other person I've ever talked to, and, and that includes myself. You know yeah. what? I, I feel like I pay more than my fair share of tax. I think most people feel like they pay more than their fair share of tax. And so the goal is to get your taxes as low as possible. Yeah. Yeah. But to answer the surprise, yeah, I was surprised to find one person who, who was it's like, yeah, I'm cool with it. I want to pay my taxes. Yeah. I'm glad I have to. And there's I, I can understand that too, because if you have to pay a lot of taxes, hopefully you've made a lot of money and it's it's not such a bad deal, right? And, yeah. And, and you get to that point, and that's that's a lot. It's not quite as 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 different of a decision as it is on the other end. That's for sure. Um, so when you think about taxes and and what you're doing, you have some some things that you talk about. Um, your your vision of taxes and and what do you what what what's just your overall philosophy towards taxes and what you're trying to help people do well so i i think in any just like any other thing you've got to plan for it um if you don't plan for it you're going to end up being paying the highest amount right yeah i i like i I have an analogy that i use damon i'm a i like to camp and so this is a good analogy for me there might be people who hate camping so it's a horrible one but i look at this way you know if you're going to go if you're going to do a camp out you got to plan for it if you don't you're you're it's gonna be horrible yeah depending on depending on what you're going to do depends on how much planning you need to do if it's just me and actually let me go back i've got a buddy who he loves to camp and he'll literally he just gets in his car and he drives up into the mountains and he has a sleeping bag and a tarp and he'll get up in the mountains, he hikes up to the place that he wants to camp, puts the tarp down, puts the sleeping bag down and camps there. And he'll spend the next day uh, hiking and then he goes home. Not a lot of planning into that, okay? It's just yeah. camp. Uh, however, with me, I'll usually go camping with my wife and maybe my kids. Um, there's a little more planning that needs to go into that, right? Yeah. I've gotta, I've gotta figure out, hey, what are we gonna eat? What are we gonna bring with us? How are we gonna cook, right? Um, you got, and then I'll give you another example. This last year, I did a whole family, like my extended family. We did this huge camping trip. Tons of planning that yeah. had to go into that, right? Um, and then I'll even throw in, hey, if if someone's bringing, a, I do a tent most of the time, but if you've got uh, an RV, hey, there's even more planning around that, right? Um, you don't want to run out of fuel. I've actually had someone ran out of fuel in, while they were doing that. Um, but the point is the same with taxes. You have different levels, and that's sort of my philosophy. Yeah. You have different levels. If I'm an individual person, I get have a W two wage coming in. You know, I, there's not a lot of planning that can be done, and there's not a lot that you really need to do. But you still should be looking at it at least, um, yeah. just on an annual basis. Um, if I've if I've got W two or I've got a business involved, hey, I'm a little bit more complex. My plan needs to be a little more complex. If I've got multiple businesses involved, uh, it needs to be even more complex. And it can just keep growing and growing and growing as far as what your plan needs to be in order to get you to where you want to be from a goals perspective. 
Um, that's how I, and, and I always try and start it out with, hey, what's your goal? What do you want to do? If the answer to that goal is, hey, I don't want to pay any tax. Well, let's, let's figure out what the real goal is there. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Because you're trying sense? to, most of them, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it, it is a great analogy because if you look at that and, and understand, and yeah, when you have multiple businesses, income going between multiple businesses or, you know, uh, yeah, and just how the owner takes compensation or doesn't, or, you know, there, there's just a lot of that, a lot of yeah. that and the ownership structures in them and how that affects it. Um, and sometimes even with other corporations owning part of it too, it just can add to the complexity an awful lot. Yeah. So, ah, interesting, interesting. So if you were out there looking, uh, what were the if so so just let's just play it for example i'll just back up a little bit if if i'm sitting here today and i've i'm a high net worth or a business owner and i'm i'm sitting here what are some of the questions i should be asking my tax person every year because that's the thing that i always wonder is what we really should be talking to them about yeah well honestly i think the the number one thing you really want to do and and I say this, Damon, because I see so many uh, people who they don't plan. Okay. The number one thing you want to do is go to your tax professional and say, hey, I'd like to sit down and talk about what I can do to minimize my taxes. And then you sit down and you talk to them, right? Um, and for lack of a better way of saying this, when you're in that meeting with them, you're asking, well, what are some ideas that I can do? Um, generally, they should be able to come up with certain things that you should be doing, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, even in my case, there are times when I sit down with someone and we go over their taxes and, and like, I'd look at a prior year tax return to see what's done and I'll ask them a bunch of questions and I'll say, are you doing this? Are you doing this? Are you doing this? And, it, and the answer could be yes to all of them. And so my answer as a tax professional, maybe, you know what, you're doing everything you can based on your circumstances right now. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, common ones, if you're just a, if you're a W-2 employee, that's all you got. Okay. Tax planning strategy. Make sure you're contributing to a retirement plan if available. If you've got a high deductible health insurance plan, make sure you're contributing to your HSA or your company's contributing to your HSA. Um, if you're, uh, there's strategies that you'd want to go over around your itemized deductions versus standard deductions and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, yeah. but it, it, from an individual standpoint, um, if, if you're in a business, if you've got a business, you should be going in and asking, hey, can I deduct this? Or the question is, hey, what am I not deducting that I can? Yeah. Um, to do that, your your tax professional needs to have access to what you have been deducting or what are what your what your accounting looks like. But those are the typical things that I would I would go in and ask. And honestly, you got to ask almost that same question or same questions every year because tax law constantly changes. Um, I mean, we have a proposal out right now. Uh, that is going to change a significant amount of tax law. And as that changes, you, there are certain deductions you previously could take that you can't. And there are deductions now that maybe you can take that you previously couldn't. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's good. It's good. I think, and I think you're right. I, I, I wouldn't know that you're right, but it seems reasonable. What you're saying is going and asking every year because the taxes tax laws are always changing that's for sure yeah. and um 
so what so what we should be asking and then there are some things that we should be doing as well and that is primarily first we should be going in and asking the tax people what yeah. what are good some things are there other things we should do and is there is are there specific places where we should be researching some things or or where where are some places just to understand generally what's going on so damon let me i'm going to twist that a little bit i want to say what you shouldn't do okay and when I say shouldn't, I make take it for a grain of salt, if you will. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of people who reach out to me and says, hey, watch this video. And it's a YouTube video. Yeah. And someone's pitching a tax strategy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'll watch it. And you know what? Generally, there is there is some truth in those. And there's some yeah. good strategy in there. But I, I would say I've yet to see one where there was something that wasn't completely wrong that just made it way overblown they were overselling the strategy um to where it just was not it did not have the effect that they wanted yeah and so my point to that is don't just trust youtube i think most yeah. of us hey uh, just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true right yeah that's true that that yeah. is the case that is the case but yeah. that be that being said i appreciate it when my clients will send me those videos because then i know they're actually looking for opportunities and they're not just uh, being lazy about their own tax situation. Yeah. Um, and there have been, if I'm completely honest, there have been times when I've seen some of those videos and there was a unique issue. Now it still wasn't completely correct, but I was able to, as a tax professional, go back and research into it and say, you know what, this is something I did not know before. Um, yeah. and that really, um, if I jump back, if when you're talking to your tax professional and you ask them a question, uh, like this and you're saying, Hey, I, I saw this strategy and they, um, generally, if I and this is any professional in my mind, not just tax professional. If you're talking to an attorney, if you're talking to a financial a financial planner, you ask them a question in relation to something that you've you've heard about. Um, they should either answer it in one or two ways. They should say, "Oh, I know all about that. Here's some issues around it," or mm -hmm. well, "I don't know a lot around that. Let me look into it, and I'll get back to you." What I don't like to hear, and I hear this way too often from various professionals, is yeah, I don't know anything about that. Um, we can't do anything. I, I don't get. I don't get that answer. Obviously, um, mm -hmm. but uh, as you're asking those questions, uh, as you're asking those questions uh, to your tax professional, and just your question on where you can research from a tax perspective, I think the best places are. I love IRS.gov. It's gotten a lot better over the years. Mm -hmm. A lot more robust. If you're reading through anything on IRS.gov, generally you can trust it. Now, the IRS straight out says just because it's on our website doesn't mean you can rely on it. Yeah. I find that a little odd. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but uh, it is it is a great uh, research tool, if you will. Okay. Yeah. And I again, the other thing, I, I love this and I hate it. It's the same as the videos. It's It's when someone comes in to me and they say, hey, my friend's doing this. Right. And I'm like, well, that doesn't mean they're doing something right. But mm -hmm. I still love that people are coming to me and talking to me about it because yeah. I want to make I want to get them educated on what they can and cannot do um, in their situation. Yeah, because every situation is going to be unique, as you said, and it's it really is. It, it is it, so you can't just because your your friend or your neighbor's doing it or something like that. It's, it can be a completely different situation. Yeah. Uh, 
I'll get, can, Damon, can I give you an example of that? Really yeah. Quick? Yeah. That'd so, be good. I've had this happen multiple times. Client comes in and says, my buddy is writing off his boat in his business. How do I, I want to buy a boat. I want to write that off of my business. Well, the thing they don't know, and I'll, I'll right out say this, there are, there are taxpayers who out there, they write off their boats and they shouldn't. Uh, there is an IRS publication as well as a, what's called a revenue ruling. This It straight says you are prohibited from writing off any water, any boat or watercraft. Okay. Unless you are in the business of dealing or uh, leasing boats, if you will. And so many times, hey, that person is actually leasing out their boat. That's how they're writing it off. They have a business for doing that. Um, You can't necessarily, I mean, me and my accounting practice, I'd love it if I could go out and buy a boat, plaster my name across the the bow of the boat, and I can deduct it in my business. Um, You know, I could do that, and I'm playing an audit game, right? Yeah. I'm waiting to see if the IRS comes and audits me. But under the laws, no, I can't do that. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Well, I think, I think you're right. It's, it's like some of the things you can do and you may get away with it for a while, but you may, it may end up paying for it later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is a great example because I'm pretty sure I've heard that myself. <laughs> 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 you know. Well, everybody wants to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Damon, I've said this to you before, and I'm sure a lot of people on here have heard this. There's this, the saying, uh, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, yeah. right? Pigs are, the, the, the general thing around that is, hey, do the little things here and there, do yeah. the things that are within that, and you're going to continue to save, save, save money on taxes and grow, grow your wealth. Uh, if you're being super aggressive, eventually you're going to get caught and you're going to yeah. get in trouble. So, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. So we're, we're heading into the end of the year. You got a new um, president in office this year. And we started off earlier this year with talking about taxes, changing capital gains. We're going to change. I always hear that a lot in our business about capital gains. You know, we were at, what is it? Just shy of 20% or something like that on capital gains. And there was, first thing it came out, it was like going to be close to 40%. So what are some of the things that you're seeing coming out of the different committees or, or the house or the Senate that, um, you know, gives us an indication of what, what's going to be happening with our taxes for 2022 and beyond. Yeah. Okay. This is the perfect question for right now, because the house and ways and means committee just um, released their proposal on a tax bill. Uh, I believe it was on the 14th. Okay. Actually, um, anyway, uh, they released it, and, and there has been it's been thrown out there uh, under various plans that they want to raise capital gains to forty percent. Underneath this this bill that was passed, they're proposing a twenty five percent top capital gains rate. So uh, you'd still have right now you have a fifteen percent rate that goes up to a twenty percent rate when you reach certain thresholds, and this would just once you reach even a higher threshold, it'd be twenty five percent. Okay. Okay. Um, you, along with that, you currently have what's called the, it's a Medicare surtax, 3.8% um, on anything above 400000 in income. So you're really, your top capital gain rate could end up being 28.8%. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Okay. Um, the other thing that uh, a lot of people are looking at are those individual rates. Um, right now, your top individual rate is 37%. It's proposed mm -hmm. to go to 39.6. Um, 39.6 is the rate it was before the Trump tax cuts that passed a few years ago. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and then the corporate rate right now, corporate rate is currently at 21%. It's a flat corporate rate. Uh, under this, under the proposal that's out there right now, they would raise it to twenty six and a half percent. I don't know why they love throwing in this half percent, like yeah, twenty six percent, even the twenty one percent. Why can't we just do twenty percent? Yeah, uh, I, I like even numbers. Um, the the twenty six and a half percent just so you're aware, only applies to businesses that have taxable income in excess of five million dollars. Okay. So everything up to five million would be at twenty one percent. Everything above five million would be twenty six and a half. Um, the other thing that is a little, um, in my mind, concerning is that three point eight percent that I talked about for capital gains, that additional amount if you make more than yeah. um, four hundred thousand. Uh, typically, that's only on investment income, so interest, dividends, capital gains. Uh, Congress or in this bill, uh, if it was passed as is. Yeah, it would it would include that three point eight percent on anybody. If you have ownership in an S corporation or partnership, your earnings coming out of that, even if you're active in it, would have to still be subject to that additional three point eight percent tax. Um, it's a little mm -hmm. concerning because it's called an investment income tax. And I feel like if you're working in your business, it's not really yeah. income. So that's why yeah. it's concerning to me. And so when you look at that, would that. Yeah, so that's like on the draws and such that you would be taken out. It, it, yeah, effectively on your draws. Yeah. Now again, that's if you're making uh, more. If you're single and you're making uh, four hundred thousand or more, and if you're if you're married, it's five hundred. Married filing joint would be five hundred thousand or more. Okay. 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 Uh, well, the, let me. The, the last one that's on a lot of people's minds, Damon, uh, are uh, estate and gift tax right now yeah yeah that's way up to i can get each spouse can give 11 point almost 11.8 million dollars without paying any tax on it uh if they die they can give it away if they give it away throughout their life they can uh give it away to their in uh, their heirs like kids and grandkids and such throughout in, their in life that's an in total amount or is that per child or is that's that an in total okay yeah. What they're looking at, what the proposal would be, is to reduce it down to six million, so almost in half. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, effectively, what this is saying is, hey, if you're worth more than six million dollars, you're you're wealthy and you deserve to pay a tax on that if you yeah. pass, or if you want to give away more than that. This is creating in. I, I've had since this came out last week, I've had multiple calls because you got people who are worth. $12 million and they're like, Hey, I didn't really need to do anything. I need to do something now before this potentially passes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, that's per, if you're married, uh, it's per spouse. So mm -hmm. even if you were married and you were worth 12 million between the two of you, you could still give away effectively 12 million tax free. Okay. Okay. But again, these are still, these are just proposals that are out there. Yeah. Um, I do want to, I'll give my opinion on, you know, some of these are going to pass, uh, or I think that they will pass others. I think they're going to get kicked out. Um, I really don't think, or I'm hoping that that 3.8% on your S corp draws and your partnership draws, if you will, I'm hoping that doesn't pass. Um, 
I do think that you're going to see an increase in corporate tax. It may not be to the 26.5, maybe it's to 25%, but I do think it's going to go up. Um, I do also think that they're going to raise that individual rate. Um, yeah. There is just, just so I can throw something out there, based on um, some analysis that's been done, if you were in the top tax bracket on all of these, you would effectively pay just for federal taxes 46.4% of your income not including states. So if you're in California and their top tax bracket is 13%, yeah. you're well over half of your income is going to taxes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a bit more. It's a bit there, more. Yeah. There are also, I mean, there are also some other uh, incentives that are being proposed. There's not a lot of detail that's been released, especially related to electric vehicles. Yeah. That's funny but, how the, the increases get them out there right away. But anything you can do to mitigate it, that's well, that's going to take us a while to figure those out. <laughs> I wonder if that's magically happens like that. Well, it, it's in the bill. And to be honest, I have not read all mm -hmm. thousand pages of the bill. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. It's just it, it, people are more focusing on, hey, here's, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to pay this additional tax. What what can we do about it? So. Hmm. So what are what are some of the interesting things that you see in the in the world of taxes beyond, you know, the the things? I mean, what are some of the ways let's let's just I'll just rephrase my question a little bit. So if you're sitting out here today, you're a high net worth individual say, man, I might have to pay a half a million dollars a year in taxes. What are some of the things that you should be doing that you might not be thinking of now? OK, um, number one. And, and David, let's just assume this is a high wealth individual that they're only getting paid wages. It's not from yep. a business. Yep. Is that right? Because that, that actually came up with me and someone, I was talking with a financial advisor about this and they, they deal with higher net worth people. And they were saying, you know, I love sports people, but the one thing about it is they have huge salaries, but it's all W2 income. Yeah. Most of their income is W2 income. So this is a great example. Yeah. So some things, that you can do, and it, it usually involves investing, right, in, in some way or another, okay? Um, well, actually, let me back up. The number one thing I would say if you're charitably minded is maximize your charitable deductions or contributions. Mm -hmm. um, if you're a high net worth individual and, you, uh, and you're giving to charity on an annual basis, you know, use what's called, it's called a donor advised fund. Uh, every large uh, bank, or brokerage will have a donor advice fund that you can contribute to. And effectively what it does is let's say, let's say I'm giving a hundred thousand dollars a year to charity. Mm -hmm. okay? Well, I can, instead of doing that on an annual basis, I could say, well, you know, I've got the cash and I want the deduction. I want to put a million dollars into this donor advised fund. And if I'm doing that much, I'm assuming I'm in the tap tax bracket. So if I do a million dollars, I'm going to save $370,000 in taxes. At that point. Mm -hmm. um, and then over the years, when you put it into that donor advised fund, it is a charitable contribution. It is a 501c3 charity, but you get to direct how those funds are used. That's why it's called donor advised. Um, you've made the donation, but you advise on how it's used. Uh, I've done this myself in the past where I sort of just wanted to double up my deductions for the year. Mm -hmm. And I put more in there. And then over the next three years, I paid out my various charitable intents out of that donor advised fund. So some went to, let's say, uh, Make-A-Wish or United Way okay. or uh, my church or almost any any recognized charity yeah. 
you can you take it out of there and you, you send it to the charity. And it's just a great way of doubling it up for that year. Okay. That, that'd probably be number one. It's easy, low-picking fruit right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. The second um, one uh, that I would sort of talk about is just various investment vehicles. Now, these you have to really research and make sure it's a good investment opportunity. Um, and I state, state this because I don't want you to spend uh, $100 and save uh, save $37 in taxes, but then you never get your $100 back. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, and uh, Let me just uh, throw there. Like, so right now, uh, you can go out and you can buy into various uh, uh, solar companies uh, solar companies, if you will, or um, the solar panel uh, investment companies. Mm-hmm. Let's, put, let's just use $100,000. If I put $100,000 into one, that solar that solar company is then using that money to install solar panels on buildings. And then you get a credit for that of 26%. So you get a $26,000 credit. Okay. So you save $26,000 in taxes. Over time, wherever you install those, you should be getting a cash flow as well, a return on investment from effectively the sale of the power those solar panels are generating. So mm-hmm. you should be getting your money back. Um, where I say, hey, look into the company, look into what they're doing, is to make sure or have a reasonable assumption that you're actually going to get the money back. Um, I have, I've seen it way too many times. I've had clients that have done these types of strategies, uh, not with the solar, I haven't seen this happen yet with that but i'm assuming it will eventually or they'll put the hundred thousand in they get that big huge tax benefit and then later on uh, a couple of years on uh the company that was marketing goes bankrupt and mm-hmm. they, don't, they never get any money back and so oh yeah i got a huge tax benefit but i'm out this hundred thousand dollars yeah uh that, and these are all just as individuals right because there's mm-hmm. to what you really can do as an individual um, there are a few, there, there's one other one. I'm not going to really, I don't want to talk about it because it's one of those that's on the chopping block with the proposal. So it doesn't make sense to do it right now. Um, I'd love to talk about it if it comes off. Yeah. But it's one where you, the hu- huge benefit. Um, and that's why it's on the chopping block, if you will. Yeah. Okay. Well, these, there's are some good ones. And I think that it's, it's interesting to be able to, to really think of taxes in a proactive manner rather than reactively, just because of the fact that, um, you know, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. Yeah. And, and when we look at some of the things that people can do to mitigate um, the capital gains and over a long-term period, there's just, a, there's a lot of things uh, in that. I know in, in the other annual earnings and the stuff like you're, you're helping people with too, in the annual space, there are, there are things to do too. And it's just good to, to hear that. Yeah. You're not going to go to zero, you know, probably if you're making money, but there are ways to, to make it as reasonable as you can get it. Yeah. 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 And, and Damon, if you've got a business involved, that's really, I mean, that's where you need at least, and I mean, at least once a year, you need to be sitting down with your tax professional and going over it. Um, yeah. If that's the case, I recommend October, November, December timeframe. I prefer, this is me, I prefer to sit down on a quarterly, sometimes monthly basis just to say, hey, here's where we're at. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking, sorry, you brought up capital gains. So I want to hit this. If you have capital gains, like I, I met with a, a, a client yesterday 
and they recently sold a rental property that they had in California. Smart time to probably sell. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's smart to sell or not, but you know, values are pretty high. Yeah. So they have a huge capital gain. Well, the first thing I ask them is like, okay, you've got a stock portfolio. I know it's not likely, but do you have any stocks that are running a loss right now? Do we want to sell those so we can loss harvest to offset this gain? So I'd always say if you if you looking at that you've got capital gains, I don't care if it's on stocks, sales of real estate, uh, sales of virtual currencies like Bitcoin, um, and then you've got other things that are running a loss, sell those off so you can recognize the loss. Uh, one caution is you can't sell off a stock that you have a loss on and buy it back within 30 days. Yeah, That's under the wash sale rules. But as long as you don't rebuy that stock for 30 days, you can recognize that loss to offset the other gains. Yeah. That's a good that's that's a good suggestion because it it can make a significant difference because if you got some of your positions in in your investments that are upside down by a long ways, getting yeah. out taking the tax advantage of it might be a really good thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even in, I mean, I'll be honest, I've got clients right today's markets are doing generally really well, but you still have various stocks that aren't. Mm -hmm. And so I have, I've, I've got clients that they might have a hundred thousand dollar gain and then they've got a hundred thousand dollar loss on a stock that they we're like, Hey, let's sell that off. Um, you're it's not performing. It's not going to perform based on all of our analysis. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, and going along with that, Damon, this is the other thing I'd say, uh, you know what, get all your professionals involved if you can. And just depending again, how, how complex your situation is, if you've got someone who's managing your wealth, uh, like a financial advisor, and you've got a CPA or, or a tax professional, get them in a room together or on a Zoom call together, if you will, to discuss all this. Cause they're gonna all have their same, or they're gonna have different ideas and they're gonna get you hopefully to the best place you can be. That is a really good point because I think a lot of people, significantly net worth people, fail to do that. They just go to one person and or a firm, and that's what they do. They don't get the other people involved. Yeah. Well, and Damon, I'll tell you, this got drilled into my head probably a little over five years ago when I had put together what I thought was a bulletproof plan for my client. Okay. Um, and to be honest, there's nothing that's bulletproof. Let's just get that off the table. Yeah. It was a good plan. It was really good. What I didn't know was they, and, and we didn't execute the plan yet, luckily. But what I didn't know is they had been meeting with their attorney. And the attorney was putting together a plan in, in a separate area. But if we went through with either one of ours, it completely conflicted. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was doing some income tax planning. The attorney was doing some estate planning. Okay. If we would have implemented the income tax planning, it would have really messed up the estate planning and the same vice versa. Luckily, we found out about each other before either one of us executed mm -hmm. and, uh, and we're able to put together and, and sort of reconcile the two different plans and get them together. So we got to where we wanted to be. Um, but since then, yeah, I will always ask my clients if they're coming to me and we're doing planning. I was like, hey, what are you talking to your financial advisor about? What are you talking to your attorney about? Can we get on the phone with them as well to make sure that whatever we do here doesn't mess up something else? Yeah. Well, and I think that, I mean, as things change, and this is the other thing that, that we see in business and with business owners is that, you know, the changes for someone who's living the life. Um, 
happens over time. But if you don't make the changes, like, so you'll see someone that has had a business for maybe a lot of years and they use the same attorney forever. Right. And they, they don't understand that I've, I'm not that startup business or that $2 million business. I'm a $40 million business now. And I'm still going doing my taxes, which may be appropriate, but maybe not. I'm still having my lawyer that was helping me out of $2 million business do my same work because I like them and out of 40. No, there's not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it takes more people to coordinate what you're going to do if you're going to do it right as you as things change. And I don't think that uh, a lot of people recognize that and go, hey, is it time for me to to augment what I'm doing in, in the financial and tax areas of their lives enough? And I think you're bringing up a great point uh, that you need to get your team together and talk about it at a, you know, when it's a certain point in your life, because it, it, it can make a huge difference. And like you said, if you executed that same thing, it would have negated the the benefits of either one, plus the lost time, all the pain in the butt that you had to deal with, you know, because of it, and really could cost a lot of money going on like that. Um, wow, that's that's so relevant. It's it, and it's funny how much that crosses over into one of the first conversations we have with business owners if they come to us and say, "Listen, I, I'm thinking about selling my business," and the next question that come that we ask is. Have you talked to your financial advisor about it? Do you understand what the tax implications are? And do you know if this is going to be enough money for you with mm -hmm. the business at the value today? Because, you know, there's there's so many things that that need to cross through that we that that high net worth people, business owners, whatever, they're used to making the money. They're used to having a business that's supporting them. And, and these are these are very different things. And taxes is like that. I mean, you do it every year, but it changes as as the business has changed in your lifestyle and life changes and, and all that. So, yeah, interesting. And Damon, just going on with your if you're if you're out there thinking of selling a business, this is my approach. Okay, um, I think before you go out to market, what you want to do is you want to say, and you're not trying to you're not trying to establish a market value of the company. You want you want to no. get with your you want to get with your financial planner, your CPA, your in-house accountant if you need to, your attorney, and and calculate out. Hey, well, here's what I'm spending right now. Here's my spend per yeah. year okay? yeah and then you back into and, and, and you back into here's what i need the company to sell for in order to continue to spend what i'm doing and i'll be honest with you most of the time the company's worth more and you're yeah. more than what you need because then you take that number so let's say you let's say that number is what you need for the rest of life so that you can just put into a conservative portfolio if you will yeah and let's say that number is 10 million. Most of the time I'm seeing the company, hey, it's still worth like 20 million. So yeah. well in excess. And that's, and, and, and you got to make sure that you're talking about after tax dollars too, by the yep. way. Yep. Just because my company's worth 20 million. If, out, if, the, out the door dollars, net yeah, to you. Out the door dollars, not, yeah. not what I'm going to sell for, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, that's how I like to approach it because uh, you know what? Uh, if you don't, you might run out of money. Um, yeah. And the, the hardest part about that, especially with business owners, is you have a lot of what I call uh, quasi-personal expenses. They're legitimate business expenses that you're writing yeah. off. Yeah. But you know, once you sell the business, you're probably going to continue to spend that money. Uh, a good example of that is any, anything related to travel. Because um, generally, uh, at least the way I, way I run it, if you're traveling for you, 
in your life, I can get you to where you can get that as a business deduction. I mean, yeah. unless, you're, unless you're going somewhere really extravagant, has no business purpose whatsoever. Um, and that can be a significant cost. Um, but yeah, you, you need to approach it that way. Um, oh, I remember what I was going to bring up. We actually, this is more than 10 years ago. Um, a client who sold their business, very cash flow. It was a cash cow. Yeah. Okay. They sold it. They did not realize how much they were spending. I was not involved with them at yeah. the time. Um, but I, they literally were out of money in the next 10 years. Yeah. They ran out of money because they didn't realize how much they were spending. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it is, it is a critical thing to know, even if you know, even if, gut instinct tells you there's no way I could ever spend this money the rest of my life. I mean, you really need to understand that because it is pretty amazing when you look at what $20 million sale of a business turns into in the end, when you compare that to somebody's lifestyle expectations and everything else, when you take away something like a business that is generating cash flow on yeah. a monthly basis, daily basis, whatever you want to do. And you go, okay, now I have to have an asset that generates that, that cash flow at a return basis. And yeah. it might take a lot, uh, it takes a bit more money than you'd expect. Yeah. And, but that's a, that's, that's great advice, I think. And, and, and it, and it's, it's something it's like you said, in that example, 10 years out of money, you don't want to find it out 10 years. 10 years yeah. in that you you don't you know that you know my trips to europe aren't going to be there anymore or, or you know or whatever it is oh because let's be honest let's be honest high net worth individuals i mean some people have multiple homes they have you know dozen cars they 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 travel four months out of the year i mean all this kind of stuff that that when you look at it your lifestyle, you really got to look at that after, after whatever you're doing lifestyle to understand, because it can be significant. Yeah. It can be real. Yeah. It can be really significant. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it's not, not the norm obviously, but it, but it is. And that's, that's what I really, and in, like in the example you gave of the people that had a nice cash flow in business, it's significant and you don't even know it because it's 20 years of doing it, 30 years of doing whatever it is. Then that, that's just it becomes normal habit. Yeah. Well, even, even just this is just I I feel like human nature. Uh, like this these clients they start spending even more because they didn't have they weren't working in the business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They didn't have anything else to do, so they yeah. spent. Um, in fact, that's something I, I always people always ask me. I'm I'm still a young guy, but they still say, "Hey, what when's your retirement? When do you want to retire?" I'm like, I don't really don't want to retire. I love what I do, and plus, I'd rather make money than spend money. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, you, you bring a very, very valid point and we, and it's one of the psychological and fundamental things that I think when people are getting ready to a retire, B sell a business as, as I'm dealing with, with clients, it's what is the next step? Because the next step, if it's just going to be, Oh, I'm going to play golf. Can't play golf. 24 7 365 you're going to go crazy if you're a high driven individual that ain't going to work for you, you yeah. there's there's a few more planning steps involved in that otherwise you know it does turn into more spending on things that were unplanned and 
and if you plan it ahead of time, you can plan for that spending to actually know what you're going to need to do. Because yeah. on the other side of that, there's a lot of people that that go into a, a another phase in their life, whether it's they start a different business, they do be more philanthropic efforts. There's just so many good things that you see from it, too, when it's planned and executed properly. Yeah. And, and Damon, I'm sure you've seen this in your in your practice as well, but I'd say it almost half of what I do when I'm talking to a client who's selling their businesses, talking through those, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Including the, you're talking about, Hey, what are we spending money on? What else do you want to do? What are you going to, especially if they're younger? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I've got a client right now who they're in a sales process. She's 31. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, what are you going to do? You have a long time left. Yeah. Um, and and it, that that's really what it is. And, you've got to figure that out because you don't want to get into this funk of, of either spending money or more, more often than not. A lot of people go into depression when they don't, yeah. they don't have a purpose. Anymore. Yeah. Yep. Figuring out, figuring that out. And it's cool to hear that you love your work so much that you're like, Hey, I could keep working. And I think, I think that a lot, I mean, I'm going to work well into my older age as long as I, I, I can do it. And I can see myself changing, you know, and I may not work as intensely for the number yeah. of hours, you know, some, you know, seven days a week kind of stuff when it, when it needs it anymore. But, but it is, it really is. It keeps your mind active, keeps other things going. And I think that's, that is really that part of that as, as people sell their businesses and, and decide to exit, they really having a sound plan and thinking about that. I've been fortunate too, to actually meet some really great people that help plan, help people mm-hmm. understand that, you know, I, I'm not I, I don't deal with that as far as that part of it, but I think it, I think for, for a lot of people, it's probably well worth the investment to try it, you know, talking to people about that. Yeah, but definitely. We're kind of getting off on there, but I just want to say, <laughs> because it is, it is just, you know, you're with the taxes and this other thing, but um, thanks so much, Spencer, for being here today. I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to finally get you on and we talk about the taxes because this is something that, you know, A, it happens every year. B, there's one-time life events and other things that people should be reaching out, communicating regularly with their tax professionals and really understanding what they can do and how they need to and what they need to do with their tax professionals to reduce their their overall taxes or just keep them appropriate. So, yeah, it's, it's been it's been a pleasure. Damn. All right. Great. Well, how do people get a hold of you, Spencer? What's the best way? Uh, if they want to get a hold of me, um, easiest way is through email. Okay. Um, I am. I mean, I'd be more willing to give my give out my phone number, but I don't. I think no. most people are this way. I don't pick up a number I don't recognize, so it's yep. easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you. I mean, I can share it in the show comments too. We'll do that. Email. And yeah. then they can find you on LinkedIn too. It's Spencer Strickland. Yep, they can find me on LinkedIn. Yep. Uh, they can go to my website, grantcocpa.com. Okay, uh, grantcocpa.com. Awesome. Well, we'll get we'll and they can get there and hit hit you with an email from the website and reach out to you there if they've got some tax things they want to talk about. So thanks so much, Spencer Strickland, for being here today. We're talking about tax strategies for business owners and other high net worth people. Thanks everyone for listening today. We will be back again on Thursday. Thanks, David. You bet.